Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them onto ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I am so excited today to have author and uh, wise one, I'll just call you, um, Christian De La Huerta with us. And he has written an amazing book called Awakening the Soul of Power. And you all know me well enough to know that power is a topic I like to talk about it a lot. I, my mission actually, and Kristen, you and I didn't talk about this before we started recording, but my mission is actually to liberate people to their authentic power and unique self-expression. That is my, what I feel like is just my overarching mission in life. And I do that through my work with people pleasers and others who don't identify themselves as that in coaching and speaking. And uh, I hope to be, I don't hope to be, I will be writing a book myself this year. Um, so anyway, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And I really would like to kick it off with you. Just, you have such an amazing story that I think so many people will relate to that I, even if it's not the specifics, right? Like when we hear other people's stories, this is the beauty of storytelling. We can all find that way where we connect to the story. And I, I love the, your story, the way you tell it and how it's brought you to even writing this book. So why don't you kick us off with some of that? And then uh, we'll just have an amazing conversation. I know. Yeah, well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on the show, Brenda. Um, I'm honored and delighted. And from just the, the few minutes that you and I have already been speaking, speaking, it's like we speak the same language and we share mm -hmm. that same mission. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're in slightly different, but it is the same mission. Um, yes. And so, you know, I was, I was born in Cuba. I lived in, in Cuba, in communist Cuba, for the first 10 years of my life. So in a way, I say that that, I'm an unlikely person to be writing about personal empowerment um, mm -hmm. and, and about what it means to live heroically in the 21st century, because, you know, for your listeners who may not know, in, in the communist regime, you have very little personal power. The state pretty much owns you and tells you what to do. Um, it's a very mm -hmm. autocratic uh, power over stru hierarchical structure and yes. completely fear-based and controlled. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also... You know, I was born in a very Catholic family, so there's another um, institution 
the nature of which is power over, right? Mm -hmm. like, like you don't even have direct access to the sacred. It has to be done through the intermediary of a priest. Um, mm -hmm. And when we came over from Cuba, we lived in a small rural town in Georgia for about three years uh, before my family settled in Miami. I didn't speak a word of English. And mm -hmm. I was really shy. I was painfully shy. I was a good student because in Cuba we had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So for which I'm really grateful uh, <laughs> because I grew up reading, you know, grew up reading and developed a, a lifelong love affair with books. And also we grew up playing outside and inventing, creating our games and pastimes. And I'm really grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and, but one of the things about, you know, living in a, in a communist regime, my parents were, were counter-revolutionary. So they actually conspired against the communist regime um, before we eventually exiled. And so even though we were protected as kids, there was that implicit living in fear and don't show up too much. Yes. We kind of turned inside. And part of the benefit of that, one of the gifts of that for me was that, again, that I became a really good student. Um, I had pretty much a 4.0 in high school, except for 1B, which is which is an interesting story, too, because I didn't do this intentionally. But looking back on it, I know that I sabotaged my GPA mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't have to stand in front of an auditorium filled with hundreds of people. And oh, for speech. There was just no way. There is no way. Interesting. I sure. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I find that story powerful is because I know the teachings that I write about in this book work because I live them. Mm -hmm. um, these days, um, you know, I speak all over the world. I have a TEDx talk. I, I get paid occasionally to speak to deliver keynote addresses. So I can say that I'm a professional speaker so that I know that whatever fears we have allowed to hold us back, I know all that stuff can be healed and transcended and overcome. Yes, yes. So love that. Thank you. Such a powerful story. And I think the place where I connected with it so directly is under, now I grew up in an incredibly conservative, it was evangelical religious, you know, upbringing. So not Catholic, but still very oppressive, you know, very, very heavy on condemnation and separateness from God, you know, and all God was this, you know, man in the clouds kind of a thing who was just looking to punish me and all the sin, you know, all this original sin doctrine and things like that. So I very literally connected to sort of that aspect of your story. Yeah. But of course was born and raised here in the U S so in a free country. Um, and yeah, what I felt the resonance with is that oppression. And when you talk, and I love the way, even when you were opening up your own story, it is those systems or people that want power over us. Yeah. And so that's why I say, when I use the word power and I always say, you know, I'm talking about authentic power, that's my easiest way to describe not yeah. power over, you know, authentic power is our innate, we all have it, we all have a right to it, it is our birthright to live out of our own power, which is the only place that freedom 
even comes from. It never comes from something outside of us. And yet we are pretty much all uh, in living in some sort of system or with people who want power over us. Exactly. And I think it's it's the the once any of us, whether we're a child or an adult or 20 or 60 or whatever age we are, that when we hit that point of realizing I live like this anymore, I don't want these other people and circumstances to have power over me. I want to some however it happens for each of us, have that experience of taking the inward journey and finding my authentic power and authentic self-expression. And that is really, to me, the call of the hero's journey. So because you use, you know, this, the hero's journey is such a great archetypal story. Take us into how for you, you went from being, you know, this young, you know, gay boy in Cuba in a Catholic, you know, just all the things that would be against you figuring out your authentic power and self-expression to being able to live that and create this amazing life that is so different than what you were conditioned into. Yeah. And, and I love the way that you framed that because what that's, that's the way that I relate to power too, which is, you know, calling it authentic power, calling it spiritual power, soulful mm-hmm. power is the kind of power that lies within, as you said, each and every one of us. Nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. We are the, we are the only ones who can give it away. And, yeah. and the tragic part of that is that we, can, that we give it away for tragic reasons. Like, mm-hmm. like we, 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 how many times do we say yes when inside we feel no? How many times do we like stuff our feelings, our perceptions, our preferences, our desires, our dreams, because of fear, the fear of rejection, mm-hmm. we, we sell ourselves short. We play small uh, for an illusion of security, for a false sense of acceptance, and for morsels, for crumbs of pseudo-love. And, and none of that is, a, is, a, is an effective strategy. And I love how in your work you, you talk about how, you know, with a with people-pleasing language that... So putting it into my, into my own language, yes. the stronger our sense of self, yes. the, the less that we need any kind of external validation from outside of us. And, and I love that, that the way that you speak about how, like you, we, you just don't throw out those qualities. You know, we don't, we don't need to throw out the baby out with the bathwater. We can actually use some of the, what you call those superpowers yeah. of People ple- that are implicit in people-pleasing behavior, you know, like intuition, paying attention, um, presence, being able to read people. Those are skills that can actually be good for use for good and for our own growth and evolution and self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I love that. And yeah, and I'm thank you for asking about the the personal story because, um, yeah, it's like growing up. As, as a gay young man in a religion that told me that I was going to burn in hell for yeah. that I was abomination in the eyes of God was incredibly painful. Like my mm-hmm. adolescence was one long depression with, with mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts. Um, and the reason I didn't you know, take my own life is that that was a worse sin. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so I guess there is something to be said for the, for the hierarchy of sins. And, <laughs> and I also didn't want to bring pain to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's another 
way that I know, like from my own personal experience at my at the cellular level, that all this stuff can be healed. Like these days, mm -hmm. no matter the circumstances of my life, no matter what the details are, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, a a project succeeds or it fails. In quotes. Um, yes. No matter what happens, I never ever question my sense of self. Like I know who I am, and and. And so that's why I know that this, we can all do this. Mm -hmm. that we can all, that we develop such a strong sense of who we are that we never again need that, that pseudo acceptance or external validation from anybody. Yes. The, the external validation is so key because that is the thing, even if we're not thinking about it that way, that's what trips us up in that in our day-to-day -day activities because all of a sudden or inadvertently unconsciously a lot of times we wind up silencing ourselves or stuffing what's important to us or what what just what we want i mean it could be as simple as what where i want to go to dinner tonight it doesn't have to be a life-changing thing you know right. and we'll silence that in order to keep the Matt, or to get their approval or to, to somehow manage the emotions of that exchange. Right. right? And if that is second nature to a people pleaser, because we, right. that was how we coped with whatever oppressive environment we were in. And some of you all may not think of, you know, you may not use the word oppression when you think of your childhood. I never did. I mean, I knew there was stuff that wasn't great, but I never thought of it as oppression until recently when I really looked at that. And I thought, no, I mean, any sort of power over is an oppression. So we respond by learning how to anticipate those needs or, you know, learning how to really perform in whatever way that is. Some people are the A student. Some people are the class clown. Some people are the rebel and the troublemaker, but yeah. it's still a performance. Yeah. And so it's all that, attention. yes, it's all that need for somebody else to say, you're okay, you're lovable, you matter. Yeah. And so I would love to hear, because I'm also, besides these great big lovely concepts that we've talked about. I am super pragmatic. And so I always want to know like, okay, great idea. How do I do that? So tell us maybe just one or two. I mean, I know your book's full of them. So everybody should get this book, Awakening the Soul of Power. Of course, we have the link in the show notes, uh, but it's, it's written, your writing is beautiful. I like for a pragmatic person like myself, I think you've done a beautiful job of weaving in these big concepts and then how to work with it. So maybe for the purposes of our podcast today, maybe just pull out one or two things that, you know, jump out in your mind that were tools, you know, actual things you did that really helped you move from this place of having all these people and circumstances having power over you to regain finding your own power and then being able to express that in the world? Yes, yeah, beautiful question. Um, so a couple of things that might seem big, but they're actually, they, they are a journey. So, so one mm -hmm. of them is, is going within, like understanding who we are. Like we can't mm -hmm. really transcend these patterns 
of behavior because that's just what they are. They're just misunderstandings. They're coping behaviors, ways that we figured out to survive, to avoid fear, to, you know, to, to maintain peace, not completely effective for the most part. They're, they're not effective for the most part, but at least they got us to where we got. Mm-hmm. But now they're keeping us in self-made prisons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only, the first step then is going within, understanding why we do the things we do, why the mind works this way. What, why do we get stuck in, this, in these patterns of relationships that sometimes have us feeling like, like we're stuck in the same old play, the same boring play, just with a different actor. So why do we attract this, 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 these patterns of people and, and situations and relationships into our lives? Once we understand them, why we do the things we do, then we can break free from those patterns. So that's why the first quarter, third of the book is about understanding the ego mind and, and how it keeps us in that self-made prison so that we can break free from it. The mm-hmm. second, the second, you know, the rest of the book is then is understanding about power, why we have an ambivalent relationship to power. Most of us, we want it, but we're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And I think at the core, what we fear is that we might abuse it, that we might cause harm. Mm-hmm. And no wonder, like on any given day, we just got to turn on the news and witness at least one abuse of power. Yes. And then add to that the fact that we've been conditioned to think that power is a bad thing. Power corrupts. Absolute power Power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) But what they forgot to tell us is that that quote from Lord Acton, he was speaking specifically about political power, Mm -hmm. not interpersonal power that you and I are talking about. Right. Which is the one that gets most of us into trouble and where we give it away. And then add to that the fact that we've been conditioned to make the emotions weakness. We've labeled the emotions a bad thing and a sign, a sign of weakness. And mm-hmm. we hate confrontation. We run away from conflict, put all that into the mix. And that's the reason that we that we say yes when inside we feel no. Yes. And, and because we don't want to be corrupted. You know, we don't want to be bad people. We don't want to, we don't want to abuse power. Um, And so the whole theme of the book is that there is a way that we can step into our power and express our power in a way that is congruent with who we are. That doesn't it doesn't have to be this power over approach that requires for us to push somebody down, step on them, put our knee to their neck in order for us to pop ourselves up and feel powerful, that that we can all figure out a way that works for us to do this. Yes. Ooh, so many things I loved about what you just said. What, the last part, what it made me think of is that a lot of times as we're moving into this awakening, so like in that first part where you're talking about kind of the awakening, we have to know why we're doing it, you know, what we're doing. We have There is that awakening component that, you know, it doesn't start without that. And for myself, I like to think of those things as just habits. We, I like the word habit because it makes me feel not judgmental towards yeah. it, you know, and like, there's not something I have to fix. There's not something fundamentally flawed with me. I picked up a habit and I need to just change that habit now. Right. And so that's how I like to think of that part, just because it keeps the judgment out of it. Because self-judgment never helps us no. improve something you know, in the U.S. at least, we've certainly been taught that culturally, that if we hate how fat we are, we'll go lose weight or something. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and we're so harsh. We are so cruel mm-hmm. with ourselves. The things we tell ourselves inside mm-hmm. of our heads, we would never 
say to anybody else. Yes, yes. So undoing, you know, just seeing that, oh, oh, okay, I have a habit I need to change, you know, and then there's the moving into, okay, but now how do I do it? Because Mm -hmm. even when I realize the habit isn't serving me, I'm, it, my body, like physically is used to it. Even if it's an emotional habit, my, my, you know, body's used to the hormonal rush of my brain releasing those particular chemicals and all of that. So I can be addicted to a way of responding to something, a way of taking it personally, a way of, you know, all those things are that same kind of addictive habit. Um, But that the freedom really is that internal piece of my own power, like you're saying. Uh, But what struck me in in what you were saying a minute ago that I want to bring up, and I'd love your perspective on this, as we start to make this shift, you know, so maybe kind of early on in the journey, it's very easy to think that we're becoming, like you're saying, that fear of becoming the very thing we hated, the power over, uh, or selfishness. Like I get a lot of people, they just feel like, well, if I just start saying no, every time I really want to say no, I'm going to be really selfish. That's very selfish of me. And so I would love to hear your perspective on that and how you, you know, sort of turned that for yourself um, so that it didn't feel so selfish. And yeah, no, that's a, that's a really important question. Because we have been conditioned, as, as, as you say, we've picked up habits, patterns of behavior, beliefs that tell us that to self-care, to take, to take care of ourselves is selfish. Mm-hmm. And, and self-care is not selfish. Self-care is actually mandatory. It's like, think about, you know, what the first thing they tell us when we, when we board a plane is you put on your mask first so that you can then take care of others. If we're not taking care of self, we can't take care of others. And then we give and we give and we give and we serve and we serve and we serve. If we're not taking care of self, we exhaust ourselves. Mm-hmm. We start burning out. We, and then we become resentful. Yes. 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 And then that service, that that genuine service turns into servitude. Yes. And, and, and we find ourselves and we start feeling imprisoned by these patterns of behavior and, and relationships, and then we start getting bitter. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why self-care is mandatory, especially for people like us who are about taking care of others and making a difference and serving others. It's mandatory. So it's not, it's not only not selfish, it's mandatory so that we can do what we've come here to do. Yeah. So many people, I think, particularly now, as we're maybe emerging out of the most of the effects of the pandemic, but the way the last year and a half has been, I I just hear so many people talk about how exhausted they are. And I think that when, for me, between exhaustion and resentment, those two things kind of became my litmus for what I can actually do, not in my mind, what I wish I could do or think I could do, or I'm passionate about. And I love the idea of that project. Okay. But if I actually say yes, and I think about the time involved and doing these things that are involved in my yes, 
Yeah. Does that feel exhaust? You know, if I think forward into that and what I imagine that to be, does it feel exhausting or does it feel energizing? Yes. And, and that's self care. Right. That, that's, that's healthy boundaries. That's that's right. owning power and take and, and knowing when to say no when it doesn't feel right. Yes. Yeah. And I think resentment was the other big one because I was such a giver, as so many people pleasers are. And yet, so it started out of whatever I'll say, the goodness of my heart. You know, I gave because I wanted to, but then because I didn't have boundaries and I chose a lot of people who like to take advantage of givers because that's what we attract, right? A lot when we're big givers, we attract takers. Then I would end up resenting it. And I'd get to that point where it was like, well, wait a minute, you know, when does it get to be my turn? Exactly. You know, and so I think that's really, so for everybody who's feeling exhausted and you have that thought, like, when does it get to be my turn? That is your call. That is the call, right? That's the call to the journey to say, wait a minute, time out. I'm not taking my care of myself well enough to give all the, in all these ways that I'm giving, I need to come back home get back on that inner journey and find my own sense of power without giving to others, just giving it all to myself to find that. So how, tell us some ways you do that. What's kind of your practice for uh, staying or getting back? Cause we all get bumped out of it. I mean, I do too. Uh, getting back into your power. If you get bumped out of it, you know, it's, Anything that we do that's going to take us back within, that's going to be centering, that's going to pop us out of, of the doing, 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 and, and have that moment of self-reflection, anything like that, whether it's meditation, just taking a break, going for a walk in nature, mm-hmm. sitting down a, a, by a lake or on, on the beach, um, mm-hmm. anything like that, it's going to be really helpful. Um, because the, what, what you were talking about before just in the same way. So, and, and again, anything that's going to strengthen our sense of self, mm-hmm. because in, in the same way that we need external validation, that and, and that we have this established that that is not a healthy approach, that the, and that the stronger our sense of self, the less that we need that external validation. The same thing with with giving and service, yeah, right? Yes. So that so that we get to the point from a place of wholeness, we give because we want to give, because mm-hmm. it's. it's Part of our generous nature to give, yes. Um, not because we're giving, because we're either trying to prove how good we are, or because because we're trying to get validation or love or, or acceptance or any of the unhealthier aspects mm-hmm. of giving, right? So mm-hmm. and, and and it's not a black and white thing, right? It's like why why am I doing this? Why am I being driven to do this? What's driving it? Is is it? the generous part of me or is it the the part of me that doesn't feel whole that feels like I need to do to prove or to receive something in return. So, so the only way to figure that out is with that self-observation and Mm -hmm. and being able to drop in and ask ourselves, like, what's going on here? Like, Mm -hmm. am I, why am I doing this? Is it coming from a place of, of not feeling complete of not Mm -hmm. feeling good so that, so, and then we can make just a clean choice. Right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we can go ahead and I'm, I'm coming from a good place. And, and the thing is to, to bring choice back into the equation. 
so so that we're giving because we want to give or doing because we want to do not because we're some subconscious old pattern of behavior that 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 has no basis on reality because at the core of that is some misunderstanding from childhood that we weren't good enough or some behavior pattern that we learned mm -hmm. that the only way we got attention from mom or dad was what by doing something so then we get caught in these patterns of behavior that we have to do 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 give 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 in order to feel mm -hmm. validated and and so what we're going is for that place of freedom and whole is that when we give it's because we really want to it's coming from that place of authentic joy and power and generosity that there is mm -hmm. nothing to prove right and it doesn't it's not depleting Right. When we're giving from that, like I, I might get tired, like whatever, the body's going to wear out after a while. Right. So I might get tired at the end of the day or whatever, but it isn't depleting. I don't use right. the words exhausted. Like that's just not a word that comes to my mind when, right. you know, I've been doing a lot or giving a lot for others when it's that choice. But, but that word, the choice, right. That, that it's such a easy word to say, but it's one we don't actually do very often. Correct. Like it's very easy to skip over. Did I really, you know, choose that? We might say it. Well, yeah, I said I would do this or that. I, you know, I chose to take a whole program, spend a couple thousand dollars, you know, so that I could be certified to teach a program for that is an empowerment program for girls. I love the idea of empowering, you know, our kids before they, so they can learn it before they're 30, like I start, you know, so I love that mission. And so I was all in and I'm doing all, and, but I would notice after the trainings, like I was just so exhausted. And then I taught my first class and while I, you know, in a way I loved it because I'm working with these girls and it's so great to see them have their aha moment and whatever. But there was that feeling of exhaustion. Correct. Right. And so it took me, you know, till I finished teaching my first one and I was like, uh, maybe another week, I don't know, whatever. I was like, because it, it just kept poking at me how exhausting it felt. And I just know enough to know when yeah. I have the feeling of exhaustion, yeah. I'm in the wrong place. And, and so it was hard to say no and say, okay, I'm going to take that out of my business. And I just spent that money and I'm never going to use that certification now, but it's better to say, to see it that way and go, okay, this is a cause I believe in, yeah. but I don't need to take up the cause in this way. You yeah, know, it's, it's, what you're pointing to is that we have the power to choose yeah. and the power to unchoose and unchoose. That's right. I, we get to say, you know, it's the no, after I said, yes, some people get yeah really wigged out with that, right? It's just like, no, I said I would, and I have to be true to my word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what happens is like, like you know, we tell so-and-so, um, we said, yeah, hey, they, you know, they come to us and say, will you help me clean out the garage on Sunday? And, and we hardly ever have a Sunday off to ourselves. Yes. So, because they're our friend, because they've been there for us before, we say yes. Mm -hmm. Then what happens, you know, a month goes by two months go by and we haven't done it. So we start feeling guilty about not having done it. And it's this incomplete thing between the relationship that starts driving an edge. And then we start seeing their name pop up on our phone and we avoid them because we don't want to feel those negative feelings. So that is a much worse way to go. Yes. It's not an easy conversation, but we get to unchoose it and say, you know what, so-and-so, I love you. 
And I'm so grateful because you have helped me in other ways before. But you know, when I said that I was going to help you with a, with the, with the garage, the truth is I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I hardly ever have a Sunday off and I, and I need time to myself. And so, and I still want to be there for you. How else can I support you? Can I help yes. hire somebody to help you clean the garage? Right. So we work it out. It's not an easy conversation but it avoids having all that stuff, all those weeds that grow between yes. the relationships. That is what kills our, our friendships and relationships. Yes. Yes. And that it's such a great um, aspect of trust because we can think, I think overly simplistically about trust. I mean, that's what the power over wants anyway, right? Like the church just wanted us to trust blindly that what they told us was true. Right. And just go with it. That's what trust is. So that often as children, the model of trust is really not trust. It's really power over just do what I say and don't question me. Okay. That's, right. that, that's usually really the model we get that's called trust. But to true trust, that I can trust that if I ask you to help me clean out the garage, that you will say no. Right. If that's a no for you, or even if you say yes, and then you realize it's a no, that you'll come back to me with that. That's really what trust is, not that you always do exactly what you say you're going to do, right? Like how many times have we been modeled that? Trust is about doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. No, because when I know you showed up out of guilt, when I can feel the energy, because we all know that, we feel the energy of that, even if we're not labeling it with the same words I just used. We know when people are with us out of obligation. And nobody enjoys that. Even when you're on the receiving end, like you're doing for me, when I can tell you're doing it out of obligation, that's no fun. So the real trust is that I trust you to change your mind if it's not in alignment for you anymore. That's a beautiful thing too. You and I could have a whole show just on trust. It's like yes. such an important um, part of, of, of being alive and, and what it means and how we develop not only trust in ourselves first, but then trust mm -hmm. in each other. And most importantly, develop a trusting relationship with life. So rather than walking around, you know, feeling done to or victimized by life mm -hmm. uh, and, and walking in, in fear, waiting for the other shoe to drop, is that we actually begin to develop these, this trusting relationship where instead of paranoia, like what is life gonna do to me? Right. Uh, it's like the word, the opposite word is pronoia, that the, that life has a vested interest, has my back. And that yeah. even when apparently superficially negative things happen, that, that there are beautiful hidden opportunities in each of those things for growth and healing and transformation and for overcoming, overcoming all these challenges. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, there's no more beautiful way to end than that. And you're right. I see another conversation with us in some way, shape or form on some venue about trust because it really is so central to the conversation around power. And we probably don't address it straightforward, you know, in a really specific way, trust for self trust with others and that trust in, in, you know, the universe is unfolding exactly as it is meant to, as I think Walt Whitman said, or that's my paraphrasing of what I think he said, <laughs> but thank you. So before we wrap up today, or as we wrap up, I guess I just want to ask you or give you your moment to leave our audience with 
something that is either just meaningful to you that you think will be helpful to them beyond, and I'm telling you guys, buy the book, um, beyond that, how would you like to leave the folks listening to this episode today? I know without the shadow of a doubt that there is a way for all of us to to get to such a deep place of self-acceptance and self-love that we never give our power away. Mm. And so to to take that to the bank and to be willing to do the sometimes difficult, sometimes even heroic work of going within and learning about ourselves and figuring why we do the things we do and what are our triggers and in which situations do I tend to give my power away, whether it's a romantic, intimate, sexual relationships, is it more with authority figures, parents, the bosses, coaches, ministers, rabbis, that kind of thing. It takes work to learn about ourselves and to figure all those things out, but it is so worth it because the reward is freedom and it's choice and we get to be who we are wherever we are and we get to have inner peace and a sense Mm -hmm. of meaning and purpose in our lives. Beautiful. There's no better way to end. Thank you. This was such an amazing conversation for me. And I know that all of our listeners will enjoy it as well. So more about Christian in the show notes. And Christian, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, really, for taking the time to be here with all of us today. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to more whenever and wherever that is. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got some extra bonuses for you today. So check out the show notes. You will see a link to download my free training. This is the newest training I have. It's called People Pleasers Power Training. It's a video series and worksheet that will take you through a very specific process where you will take your power back from a relationship or a situation that has you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, angry, all of the above. So grab that. I also have people ask me about how they actually work with me. And so the easiest way to do that is to book a 15 minute call. So you'll see that link in the show notes and we'll have a conversation about whether now is the right time, whether I'm the right coach and how you would like to engage in that with me. There's also the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. It's a great place to get additional resources and be in a like-minded community. You can also submit a question through the show notes. There's a link for you to tell me what it is that you're wondering, a topic you'd like for me to address on a future episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. So thank you for being here as always. If you can take the time to do it, I love it. If you put a five-star review on the podcast server that you get this podcast from, that always helps us get out to more listeners. So thank you so much. And thank you for being with me on the journey to liberate our people pleasers.